Well, it's almost over, isn't it? I'm not talking about the sermon, but <laughs> I mean, give me some of you would be going hallelujah. I figured I'd get a hallelujah out of that. But I'm talking about this year. It's it's almost over. I mean, in a few short hours, 2023 will be nothing but a memory. It's that time of the year when we get to put all of this past year's success and failures behind us. And I don't know about you, but there's been some things this year that have been, that, that I don't want to go through again. By the way, it's good to see my great-granddaughter. Is she still back there? Yeah, I see that little bit back there. <laughs> no. <laughs> that would be a miracle. All right. But it's good to see her here today and, and her mother here with us because uh, was it yesterday that she came home? It was just yesterday that she came from home from the hospital with uh, a, a sickness. And, and we just are thankful that, that she is uh, feeling better. We have others out today that I, I know aren't... Uh, feeling good I, I need you to keep lifted up in your in your prayer Sandra and uh, I think Robert's uh, at home today with uh, with a, a cold or something like that so lift him up in prayer and Kimberly is not feeling well yeah we talked to her last yesterday and uh, she she sounded like she'd smoked three packages of cigarettes so <laughs> Kimberly will enjoy me saying that but her voice wasn't in too good of a shape and uh, so she was trying to be quiet and Kevin was praising the Lord for that and so listen if you can't have a little fun what's the use but I want this year to be a different year than last year don't you I want this uh, upcoming year to be something that 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 is God-ordained. I mean, so we put this past year behind us. It's almost if, if, if God is saying, you have a blank slate before you. And you get to determine how this year goes. You get to determine if you'll include me in this year. Because the title of this message, Wanting More in 24, is just what it says. God, I want to be near you. I want to be closer to you. I want to feel your presence more this coming year than I ever have before. But what usually happens this time of the year? It's usually this time of the year that we make those dreaded resolutions. Do you all have any idea how long resolutions normally last? Somebody give me an idea. Well, y'all y'all are better than the first service. Y'all can keep it at least for seven days. I had somebody shout out three days in the first service. I'm going, well, that's more like me three days I do good until ice cream comes around or cookies or something that I really like to eat by the way do y'all know what the top two uh, resolutions 
typically are this time of the year. Yep. You got it. Well, if you exercise, I'll, maybe you'll lose weight. That lasts about three days with me, too. You know, I bought a treadmill one time. I got to tell y'all, that makes the best thing to hang clothes on that you ever saw. <laughs> Finally, Connie got tired of it, and she said, you know, we might ought to think about just getting rid of that thing. Listen, the top two were to lose weight and to quit smoking up until recently. And there's been a new resolution that has hit the top of the charts this year. And you know what that is? Improved mental health. We live in a day and age from that, it, that, that, that wherever you're at, children in grade school, high school, folks that go to work every day, when you go through your daily lives, it's, it's difficult to keep a good mental outlook on things, isn't it? And so, I mean, we didn't deal with this in the past decades. I don't remember when I was growing up ever, anybody ever mentioning this, although maybe they should have because I'm sure the issue was present, but it's just that nobody paid any attention. But this year, making the top of the list is improved mental health. I'm going to give you a formula today that will help you with that. And, and I'll explain that as we get deeper into the message, but I'm going to give you a formula today that will help you in every aspect of your life, including uh, your mental health. But we'll never get there by resolution. Did you know that? You know why we don't get there? Somebody just mentioned it. Somebody said the longest I can keep a resolution is seven days. Somebody earlier said the longest I can keep a resolution is three days. Most of us have forgotten it the, the day of. I heard about a guy one time that he decided to only make resolutions that he could keep. I mean, he resolved to gain weight. He res he resolved to stop exercising, to read less and watch more TV, to procrastinate more. Connie, Connie thinks I'm the biggest procrastinator of all. She asked me 14 times to do one thing. And you know, I have good intentions. It's just that I don't get up and do it. I see some of you ladies looking at your husbands. You, I just don't get up and do it. And after... She said, well, I've asked you over and over. I said, well, ask me one more time because I forgot. So he, he, he decided he'd make a resolution to quit giving money and time to charity to not date any member of the cast of Baywatch. <laughs> well, I don't think I got a problem with that. And to never make a New Year's resolution again. Maybe he's on to something because resolutions just aren't getting it. If we're dependent on a resolution to make us a better person this year, we're in trouble. 
Now, I know most of us have failed at making a resolution, uh, and I quit a long time ago doing that because I knew it was an exercise in futility for me. But most everyone fails because it is what? It is our resolve. It is you and I resolving to do something minus God. Did you know most people, when they make a resolution, never think to include God in it? And so they fail. So I want to introduce you to something new uh, this year. It may be new to you, but, but, but to some of you it may be somewhat familiar. I want to ask you to not make any resolutions. Throw them out the window. I mean, if we're going to fail at them anyway, why do it? But I'm going to ask you to do something else instead of making a resolution. I want to ask you to make a commitment. Now, there's a vast difference between a resolution and a commitment because commitment includes you committing to an action. It means you and I, instead of resolving to do something on our own, commit to an action and we include God in that action because without God, commitment won't work. So we commit to that action. Listen, church. Commitment is going to be required for you to have the best year of your life. If you cannot get, if you cannot bring yourself to be committed, that'd be kind of like, I don't know, being married to someone you couldn't be committed to. Sometimes I think people that are married need to be committed, but. <laughs> you get that? All right, listen, let's explore this formula on, on, on how to commit to grow closer to God this coming year. Let's just explore that. Do, you, do any of you remember that 1997, and I call it a classic movie, called The Titanic? Anybody ever see that with Leonardo DiCaprio and Kate Winslet where they were standing on the front of the boat and the sea breeze blowing in their face? That's an iconic moment in that movie. And I, the only reason I know about this is because Connie is, is consumed with anything that has to do with the Titanic. If you go on to our TV, uh, they're, they're, she'll watch every, every movie that comes out about the Titanic. And I'm thinking, well, it, it sank. How many t- <laughs> I mean, it sank. How many times? Do you have to watch the same thing over? I mean, it's about the, the, the that, that that maiden voyage of, of the Titanic where it hit an iceberg and it and it sank. But here's the scene that I want to draw your attention to. As that ship was going down, the orchestra was moved to the deck of that ship and they were pay, playing a particular song. Anybody got any idea what that song was? Whew, wouldn't you know she'd know it? She has an encyclopedia of titanical facts. Nearer, my God, to thee. Now, little did they know they were nearer than, <laughs> they were nearer than they thought. I often watch that movie. And, and will y'all just allow me to elaborate a minute? And I, I often watch that movie and I thought, why did just the women and the children get on the boat? I mean, I would be wanting... <laughs> 
I'm sorry. But I, I'm thinking, dude, I can't swim. I'm going to drown. But I'm not talking about them playing that song in a physical way, nearer my God to thee. But because the message that I'm hoping to get across to you this morning through the power of the Holy Spirit is that this coming year, desperately, you and I desperately need to make one commitment. And that commitment is to grow closer to God in 2024. Now, I want to draw your attention to James chapter 4, verses 7 and 8. But before I read that verse of Scripture, I want to give you a little background on, on what's going on here with James. James, of course, was the, was the brother of Jesus. And James had a, had a tough time growing up believing that his brother, Jesus, could be the Messiah. I mean, wouldn't you, can, can you not grasp what I'm saying here? I mean, it, 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 he was his brother. And he could not find himself coming to the point where he recognized his brother as being the Messiah. But James had an encounter with his brother. An encounter like I'm asking you to have this, this today. When Jesus was crucified on the cross and he rose again, Scripture tells us that he was seen by over 500 people. And after he was seen by that 500 people, he made a little side stop. Scripture tells us that he went to see his brother James to have a personal conversation with him, a one-on-one -on -one encounter, much like I'm asking you to have today. He had that one-on-one -on -one encounter, and his life changed from that moment on. In fact, James went on to be the leader of the church at Jerusalem, a great church doing great things for the Lord. And until persecution started bearing down upon the church, those church members were forced to scatter across the area. They were forced to escape persecution by going wherever they could to get away from it. And it is that setting that we find the book of James. James has come to grips that it was his brother all the time that was the Messiah, that was the chosen one, that was the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings, and he worshipped him in that fashion. But because all of his church members were dispersed across the area, they were being defeated. Do you ever find yourself feeling that way? Do you ever have those days when you just wake up and think, wow, what else could happen? That's much how those church members were. 
And so James wrote a letter to them. This letter was meant to make them grow spiritually, to mature spiritually. And listen to what he says in the seventh verse of the fourth chapter. He says, so give yourselves completely to God. Mm. Stand against the devil, and the devil will run from you. Verse 8, come near to God. Here's another good one. And God will come near to you. It's like this. When you and I start moving towards God, God starts moving toward us. And we begin to get closer and closer and closer to our Lord and Savior. Come near to God, and God will come near to you. You sinners, clean sin out of your lives. You who are trying to follow God and the world at the same time, make your thinking pure. So did you hear what I heard? He just told us that if we'll turn our backs on sin, if we'll resist the devil, if we'll say, if we'll just say no to all the devices that he throws at us, we will draw closer to God. And he, in turn, will draw closer to us. Church, that doesn't happen with a resolution. You can resolve all day long and the devil will throw roadblocks up in your path and you will fail miserably with, a, with, a, with nothing more than a resolution. The only way you and I draw closer to God is through commitment. That's what I want for this church in 2024. That's what I want for each and every one of you that are gathered here today. Now, I told you that I'd share a formula with you on how to draw closer to God. Here's the first thing. The first thing that you and I have to do to draw closer to God this year is a little thing called surrender. And here's what that means. So give yourselves <coughs> completely to God. Look at that word completely there. doesn't say give yourselves halfway to God, does it? Give a little bit to God. No. Here's what the Scripture says. Here's what James is telling us. Give yourself completely. How many of you know God wants all of you? Stand against the devil. Resist the devil. And the devil will run from you. You see, the devil can't stand in the face of God's righteousness. That all starts with, with submitting to God. That's a part of surrender. Submitting to God. And, 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 and as we talk about submitting to God, there's one person in, in Scripture that comes uh, 
to mind for me. And we don't hear much about him, but it's that man called Enoch. But if you read the fifth chapter of Genesis, it is the genealogy from Adam to Noah. Boring reading, isn't it? Until you realize something. Every one of those people had the same thing said of them at the end. You know what it said? And then they died. Every one of them. And then, doesn't matter how long they lived, and then they died. Until we come up to the midpoint of that chapter and listen to what Genesis chapter 5 verses 21 through 24 says. When Enoch had lived 65 years, he became the father of Methuselah. Now, y'all know who Methuselah I mean, when I was a kid, I didn't understand it because everybody go around to me saying, man, he's as old as Methuselah. She's as old as Methuselah. Well, I, I know now that Methuselah was the oldest living person uh, at that time. He was the father of Methuselah, and after he became the father of Methuselah, Enoch walked faithfully with God for 300 years. We can't even figure out how to work, walk faithfully with God for a day sometimes without the devil throwing roadblocks up. But the Bible says of Enoch that he walked faithfully with God, and he did that for 300 years. Can y'all imagine that? And listen, he had other sons and daughters, and all together Enoch lived a total of 365 years, and Enoch walked faithfully with God. And listen to what it says now. It doesn't say... And then he died. That's what it doesn't say. It says, then he was no more. Because God took him away. You read the genealogies after Enoch. And it'll say the same thing. Kevin, your flies up here. It will all end with, and then he died. But not Enoch. Listen to what Hebrews 11 verse 5 says when in, in, in its explanation. It, Hebrews 11 verse 5 says, by faith. Remember that Hebrews 11 is the faith chapter. So it's only right that it starts out with, by faith. Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. You talk about an unsolved mystery. Can you imagine everybody going around looking, where's Enoch? Enoch wasn't there. And there was a reason for that because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. Whew. 
It's only at the end of 2024 it could be said of us that we pleased God. And without, and then I like the way it goes on. It says, by faith in the beginning, Enoch was taken from this life. And then in verse number 6, <coughs> it says, it says, and without faith, and, and, and I always like to use the word because there, but because without faith, it is impossible to please God. So here's, here's the key. As you go through this year, if you want to please God, it's going to take faith, isn't it? Faith that no matter what this year throws at us, no matter what obstacles we come across this coming year, the devil can't throw anything at us that the faith of God cannot overcome. But we also have to do something else. Not only do we have to submit to God's will, but we have to let go of control. Now, any of y'all think that's easy? It's kind of like... It, it, this, we used to have these trust exercises. Have y'all ever had one of them where you're supposed to just stand and and I, you <coughs> you hope somebody's behind you to catch you, but you look forward and you just fall backwards, and someone's supposed to be there to catch you. I listen. I always had a hard time with that. I trusted God. I just didn't trust the people behind me. I, I, saw, I, I walked into a, a restaurant one time, and it had a sign up there. Maybe y'all have seen this. It says, that sign says, in God we trust. All others pay cash. <laughs> and that's kind of <laughs> the way I was with that trust. I trust God. But I don't know if I trust that person behind me to catch me, but yet faith... And faith alone says that when I come across an obstacle and it takes me aback, that who's there to catch me but God himself? And I can trust in that. Letting go of control. Trusting in God's plan. That's a, that's a difficult one. Because we always think our plans are good. We plan things out, and how many times have you planned something out and it didn't go the way you wanted it to? I mean, I've had that happen a lot of times. Try raising a kid that didn't think plans were supposed to change. But you said we'd do this. No, well, plans have changed. You know, most of us have problems when... Our plans don't work out. Yet, having total faith in God, total surrender to God, is going to require that we trust Jesus and Him alone. We let go of control. We give that control to Him. We put our trust in Him, and we understand that no matter what this coming year throws at us, we'll be able to withstand that. Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6 says, Trust 
in the Lord with all your heart. And don't depend on your own understanding. That's where my plans usually go awry. Because it's my understanding. But yet, Scripture tells us, trust the Lord with all your heart. And don't depend on your own understanding. Remember the Lord in all you do. And He, I love this, He will give you success. This coming year can be the best year of our life if we'll learn to surrender. Because surrender is the first step in the formula for having the best year of your life. Think about that. The first thing I have to do is surrender to the Lord. But there's another thing. And I'm going to share three things with you this morning about, about growing closer to God in 24. Not only surrender, but seeking. Now, I'm not talking about seeking God for salvation, although if you haven't sought God for salvation, you need to do that. Because that's the first and most important step, is that you receive the Lord as your personal Savior. Understanding that He died on the cross of Calvary, that He rose again on the third day, and He's preparing a place for you that you may be there with Him. But I want to take seeking a little further than just a salvation experience. I want to take seeking to the point that it becomes an everyday, hour by hour, minute by minute, second by second thing that we do. Because see, if you're seeking God... We need to be pursuing intimacy with God. You ever thought about that word, intimacy? Even little children seek intimacy. I mean, a child wants to know that they can trust their parent, that their parent will be there to watch over them, and that their parent will be there to protect them. They seek intimacy with their mother and their father. And if you and I, are going to have the best year of our life. We need to start by seeking God in everything that we do. Trust the Lord with all your heart. You see, trust on a spiritual level is God. Trust on a physical level is others. And of course he's talking about our relationship with God here and that we need to have an intimate relationship with God. But let me, let me just share a thought that God gave me while, I'm, while I was preparing this message. You cannot be intimate with anyone that you do not trust. Let that sink in for a minute. It is impossible to have an intimate relationship with someone that you do not trust. That's why friendships fall apart. When two parties can't trust the other any longer. Can I go on to say that that's why marriages fall apart? Because we cannot trust the other person. And trust, when it is lost, is difficult to, to regain, isn't it? It's not easy to begin trusting someone 
that has proved themselves to be untrustworthy. But listen to this. You can trust God. Because he will always be there with you. And when you trust him, and I mean completely, totally trust him, you will seek to communicate with him every day. What kind of marriage or a friendship would someone have if they never communicated with each other? Yet some of us are trying to have a relationship with God and we're not communicating with God. Listen, church. Pursue intimacy with God and then determine to spend time with God. Let me ask you a question here. What makes you happy? Is it the things of the world that make you happy? Or is it the things of God that makes you happy. Have you heard the story of the king that fell into a, a serious depression? I mean, he was just unhappy. I mean, nothing could lift his spirits. His servants tried everything like music and dancing and court gestures and lavish banquets, but nothing seemed to help him. He was just totally depressed. Finally, a wise old man came to the king with an unusual piece of advice. He stood before him and said, O king, if you obtain the shirt off the back of a truly happy man, you yourself will be happy. And the king thought about it for a minute. And he thought, well, that's probably a good idea. So he sent all of his 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 armies out and he he sent them to the four corners of the earth to search for a truly happy man and to bring him back this shirt off of that man's back well weeks went on months went on and finally one day they returned and they said O king after many days of searching we found a truly happy man. But, your majesty, he wasn't wearing a shirt. Now listen, the, here's the moral. Here's what I'm trying to tell you. If you're trying to find things in this world to make you happy, that happiness is going to be temporal at best. You're going to find yourself disappointed. But making the decision to spend more time with God will always render unbelievable benefits. Spending time with God will draw you closer to God and God closer to you. And see, you can, I mean, we spend time with God what, when we pray, when we read His Word, when we sing His praises. When we listen to his word in a sermon, listen, you can spend time with God in a lot of different ways, can't you? I mean, when you're driving down the road, when you're sitting by yourself contemplating, there's a number of ways that you can spend time with God. But I want to take this a little farther because... Spending, uh, seeking God is pursuing intimacy with Him and spending time with Him, but it's also studying and applying God's Word. 
Now, if you all know me, you'll know that by now, I'm very big on application. In other words, if you are listening to God's Word, you should be applying God's Word to your lives, to your hearts. Because if you are listening and not applying God's Word, it is an exercise in futility. It hasn't changed your life. It hasn't changed your heart. God's Word is meant to change people. You and I need to be studying applying God's Word. Do you realize that the Bible already has the answer to every problem you're ever going to have to deal with? It's right here within the pages of Scripture. God has already given you the answers to every problem you're going to ever have to deal with. You'll never find that if you don't open God's Word and read it. That's why this year, it is my goal and Connie's goal to draw closer to God. And, and listen, Connie and I start our days off every day reading God's Word. But this coming year, we're going to be using a, God, a, a book that we believe God revealed to us. And the name of this book is Walking in Grace, Daily Devotions to Draw You Closer to God. You know, if I'm going to draw closer to God, I've got to let God speak to me. And I need to let God speak to me every day. I need to let God speak to me every morning, the first thing in the morning. So that my day will go the way God wants it to go. So seeking is the second step in our formula to have the best year of your life. And then number three, transformation. I told you there'd be three things that I'd ask you to do. This third one is transformation. Listen, James says, you sinners, clean sin out of your lives. You who are trying to follow God and the world at the same time, make your thinking pure. So, did you realize that Christians are made to go through a transformation process from the time they accept the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior until the time they're called home to be with Him in heaven? We are in the midst of a transformation process. We are transforming from what we were to what we were meant to be in Christ. And that's not a one-time thing. That's not a once-a-year thing. That's not a once-a-week thing. It goes on throughout our Christian life. Because it all starts with us striving to be like Him. You know what striving to be like Jesus looks like? It means changing your life to include His characteristics. You know what those characteristics are? Selflessness, forgiveness, humility, love for all, patience, resisting temptation, maintaining a spiritual connection, leading by example, perseverance, and continual learning. 
And then, in order to make that transformation happen, we are to repent and turn away from sin. You know what repentance is like? Repentance is like a U-turn. It's a 180-degree turn. It's us going this direction and making that change to go toward God instead of away from God. I don't know. My GPS tells me that all the time. I mean, am, am I, I, is it weird that I talk back to the little voice on the GPS machine? I mean, I get downright <laughs> aggravated at that woman sometimes. I mean, I'll miss one little turn, and I do that more than you'd think. I miss one little turn. And she goes, make a U-turn. I go on, and I'm thinking all this time, I'll turn when I'm ready to turn. I mean, I'm having this conversation with some, with an, as Connie says, she'll look at me and she'll say, you realize you're talking to an inanimate object. I'm saying, well, I don't want to do what she's telling me to do. I'll go on to the next block. You need to make a new a U-turn. You see, that's what repentance is like. Repentance is like you and I moving in the direction we want to move, which is usually away from God. And God all the time is saying, you need to make a U-turn. You need to come back toward me. So if that's happening, you're not meeting God. God's having to follow you. But when you make that 180 degree turn and repentance takes over and you repent of your sins, you repent of all the things that you're doing that, don't, that does not please God, and you begin walking toward God, it's then that James's verse of Scripture comes, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Is that a good picture? One way, God's having to follow us, and the other way, we're going toward God, and God is coming toward us. James David, would you come? We need to allow the Holy Spirit to transform us. Here's what Paul told the church at Rome when they were having trouble with the transformation process. He said in Romans chapter 12 and verse 2, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. You see, that's what the Holy Spirit does. He produces Christ-like character in each of us. Transformation is the third part of our formula for having the best year of our life. But let me ask, let me, let me make this statement. None of this can be achieved by a resolution. It can only be achieved by a commitment. It's you and I saying to God, this year, God, I'll commit to you. You see, 
resolution defined as simply a decision to do or not to do something. But commitment defined is a dedication to carry out an action. My great-granddaughter is saying, shut up, Papa. Did y'all hear about this? One, one year, and, and I remember this, one year one, at, on a New Year's Day uh, celebration at, at the Tournament of Roses parade, a beautiful float suddenly sputtered and quit. I mean, it ran out of gas. Yep. The whole parade was held up <laughs> until somebody could get there with a can of gas. And the amusing thing about it was that the float was sponsored by none other than the Standard Oil Company with all resources that they needed to ensure that it didn't run out of gas. But yet, there they were. Their truck was out of gas. You know what? Even though Christians have access to all of God's power and resources, we sometimes figuratively run out of gas. And we need to be refilled by the only thing that can keep us going, and that is the Holy Spirit of God. I like that old song, Give Me Oil in My Lamp. Imagine Standard Oil Company was singing, Give Me Gas in My Truck. But yet here we are, we run out of gas. You know how to keep your tank full this year? overlook that so much Jesus when he left said I'll leave you with a comforter I'll leave you with the Holy Spirit he'll guide you he'll keep you full and ready to go listen church if 2024 is left up to our decisions we'll just simply sputter and run out of gas but if we commit to God we allow him to guide us through this coming year. When we do the three things that I've just shared with you, we'll have a good year. You know, you may you may be here this morning and that action for you would be to accept the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. That's always the beginning of commitment. Know that you know that you know that Jesus is your Savior. But maybe you're here this morning and you're just sick and tired of all that life throws at you. It seems like every time you take one step forward, you go two steps backward. And you're simply tired of that kind of life. And you'd say, God, I need more, more in 24. But maybe you're here today and you'd simply say, Harvey, I just want to be closer to God this year. I hope all of you would say that. Write these three steps down and commit them to memory and commit to do them in 2024. First, surrender to God. Number two, seek God every day. And number three, let Him transform you. Would you bow your heads for a moment?
perhaps you're here this morning and you'd say, Harvey, I, I want God in my life in 2024. But I need to receive Him as my personal Savior. If you're here this morning, would you just look up and I'll see you and just say, I want to receive God in 2024. I want Him to be the main thing in my life in this coming year. I want to surrender. I want to seek God. I want to let Him transform my life. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray for this coming year. I pray, Father, that everything we do would be Christ-centered. I pray, Father, that everything we do would be that commitment we've made to you a commitment to draw closer to you in 2024 a commitment to finish this year with a fervent heart for the Lord Jesus Christ and we thank you for that in Jesus name you're dismissed